Hi, family, and welcome to Jordan's Journey Podcast, your number one resource to help you grow in life and in faith. I'm your host, Jordan Thorpe, where we talk all things your journey to becoming, becoming who God is calling you to be. So if you're ready to learn and grow along your journey, stay tuned. Hi, family, and welcome to another episode of Jordan's Journey Podcast, where we talk with real life, real people who have real lives, real stories, real testimonies. And today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Dr. Rashida Weaver. Yes. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, Rashida. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm always just so grateful for the people who come and decide to share their story. So introduce yourself. Um, Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you're located. Yeah, so I'm Dr. Rashida L. Weaver, and I've been a professor for the last five years. So a professor of um, entrepreneurship and innovation. Um, I most recently, well, I've taught over a thousand students globally and to train them to be entrepreneurs. Some are successful entrepreneurs. Some are working in corporate, like for Louis Vuitton and Ralph Lauren, doing all kinds of things. And um, right now, um, I just, I quit my job in June as a professor and I launched, I'm an entrepreneurship professor, so I launched my own business, and uh, which I started in 2018. It's called Weaver's Social Enterprise Directory. And, um, and I just published my first book called Social Entrepreneurship, A Practical Introduction, which is being used in classrooms globally. And so, um, and I pre-launched that in Spain, and then it really funnels into the business, which is a, a, a entrepreneurship boot camp. And now it's, it's going to be much more than I ever imagined. So <laughs> that's been exciting. Congratulations and congratulations on your business, taking that leap of faith. Yeah. And starting your own business because, you know, it's not the easiest. And it people is. don't realize, but starting your own business does take faith, like believing in yourself, mm-hmm. believing in your gifts and abilities and what you have to offer. Absolutely. So congratulations on that and your book as well, which we're going to get into all that. So let's get into our theme question is when did you come to the realization that there was a God? When did you come to develop your own relationship with God? What happened? And take us back to that day. Yeah. Um, ooh, that's a really, so I had a really complicated relationship with God. I think, you know, I've always prayed and I, I went to church because my family told me to, and you know, that's what you do when you're growing up and you're a kid. And then around 14 years old, I stopped believing in God. Um, because I would pray this prayer every night for my grandmother to live until she was like 101. And when she passed away, I was like, I felt like, you know, betrayed in a way by God. And so I just stopped believing. And I was like, well, why do, if she's the best person I know and she's not in the world anymore, then is there really a God? I started asking myself these questions. And um, and then I came back around, around age 23, um, because I just really looked at my life. And I just saw that there could not be a God because he was just so good to me. You know, like I think sometimes people come to God when something bad has happened to them. And I was really like, I came because I just really just looked at my life and I'm like, 
this is like my life is amazing. And mm-hmm. to have been able to make it through certain circumstances in my life, because I grew up in the Bronx. Um, my grandparents were Cuban refugees. My parents are Jamaican immigrants. So I'm the first of my family born in the United States. And just coming from where I came from and seeing all that I have seen, it's just to be able to be a professor. And I was working at a $15 million institute and graduating valedictorian from one of the best schools in the whole world. Like that's God, because I saw, I saw so much chaos and destruction and crime growing up that it was really my own faith in myself. And then I remember um, I started traveling the world and I went to Italy and I don't know, I just, it just really, I just felt like God, I, I felt his presence. That's good because we have so many stories where people have to hit rock bottom or something drastic happens or they get sick or they're in a car accident. But I love how you just looked up and said, "My, I'm just so blessed this has to be God. Like, you know that this wasn't you on your own strength, but there has to be a higher power that yeah. is helping to orchestrate uh, my life in this direction. Yeah, and putting a belief inside of me that I could do all the things that everyone around me told me, like everyone said, you're naive, you're idealistic, but I just kept believing in myself. And I had no examples of success around me, like not a financial success, professional success. I didn't have those examples, but the fact that I could see it in my mind and that I just knew that like I could do anything I put my mind to at a, a very young age, I was like, that has to be God. Like, how, where am I getting all this faith and strength and confidence? Exactly, because I was going to say, well, how did you know to keep believing? How did you know what success looked like if, if it wasn't around you? Where did that come from? Yeah, I remember I was about six years old and I had this like epiphany. Um, I, I just like, just saw like a lot of crime happening and I had this epiphany. I was like, everybody doesn't live like this. You know, and then my dad, um, my mom and dad put me in modeling school and it was in Midtown Manhattan. So I'm coming, I'm living in the Bronx, kind of like a war zone, to be quite honest. And then I would go to Midtown Manhattan every week to go to school. And I'm literally going to school in um, Hotel Pennsylvania. The school's in there. And, um, yeah, Pennsylvania Hotel, I think that's what it's called. And it's like they, they're doing like shows, doggy shows with poodles. That, you know what I mean? It's just like the most richest stuff. And I'm just like, everybody doesn't live like this. So how come, why do we live in poverty and these people get to live this lavish life? And like, you know, I'm like, so there must be something to that. And I kind of became obsessed with understanding how that works. And actually the reason I study entrepreneurship is, and I study social entrepreneurship, which is using entrepreneurship to combat social problems like poverty, inequality, and all that. And the reason I started studying it was because I realized the people that I do know and see that have a lot of money and it's limitless, the entrepreneurs, you know, or real estate developers. And, um, and I just really, I thought entrepreneurship was just a fascinating tool because anyone can do it. You know, it's like, there's no color requirements. There are entrepreneurs of that have literally, they have had the most difficult lives. And now like, look at Oprah, for example, she's an entrepreneur and she's had a really rough childhood. She's one of the richest women and most respected women on the whole planet. And I just started seeing things like that. I'm like, well, I can do anything like, you know, but it's just like, I felt like as I was um, just growing up, even though I had that confidence, I just like felt like I was constantly getting knocked down by life. Just bad thing happened here. Bad thing happened there, but I kept going and kept believing. And I knew that was, that was different because I believed in myself and I believed in my skills 
And I was like, okay, but I know I couldn't do all the stuff that I just did <laughs> like on my own. I feel like God opened up that way for me. Right. So for you, it was just kind of like an epiphany, like yeah, there, there's the God. And so yeah. just curious to know, because you have an education background and, you know, especially in entrepreneurship and you see the benefits of entrepreneurship. Why don't you think entrepreneurship is pushed in the younger generation, like in the school systems? Yeah. You know, all the way up even wow. high school, because you do not learn about entrepreneurship at all. So yeah. What, what do you think? Why do you think that is? I think it's by design. I think that's on purpose because yeah. it really depends. So, one of the benefits that I've had is. I grew up in the Bronx, but then when I got into, I went to Lehman College, which is also in the Bronx, but it's like a local school where kid, um, local kids go to. And when I was there, one of my professors said, he's like, you know that there's different schools for different kinds of people. Like some schools, like they know this, they're training workers and in other schools, they train leaders. And, and so when I went to NYU, it's the, the NYU is called the Global Network University. They train leaders. Everything was literally, it was drummed into us, leadership in action. What are you doing to be a leader? What are you going to do to come back here to this university and have your name be on a building? Because you're so great and you have so much money. You've done such great work that you can come back and like advance the next generation. That's a completely different way of thinking. And so, you know, prestigious schools, even high schools and middle schools, some schools are literally designed to create the next leaders, political leaders, doctors, lawyers, and some schools are, they're not as invested in, honestly, a lot of them don't even think the kids are going to make it to be anything. Um, and and then some of them are just training workers. So what do you think parents can do at home with their kids to install that? I know like for me, I like to do the biblical foundation and like, you know, you have to train your kids up biblically, spiritually, but what, what are some things parents can do at home with the school is not doing it? Yeah. Um, I think this is, that's such a great question. Um, my parents bought me encyclopedias and, um, I had to sit down and I had to read those encyclopedias and, um, also being from an immigrant background that was like pushed, um, like like you have to have an education. Um, they bought me a computer But back in the day when I had those computers, I couldn't do all the stuff that kids can do now on the internet. And so like, um, I remember I had to take, um, they bought me like a typing program. So I had to learn how to type and just things like that, giving me space, encouraging me. They also, my one thing my parents really did well, and I think a lot of parents don't do this enough, they instilled confidence in me. So they said um, that I could be anything I wanted to be and that other people, like if they told me I couldn't, they were just stupid. Like literally my parents tell me that they're like, well, maybe they just, they don't, they don't know how to assess something great. Like, <laughs> cause some people really don't like if they, if they think you can't do it, they just, their mind, it just isn't as open as yours. And you just have to understand that sometimes. But if you feel like you can do it, like, we're not going to criticize you. We're going to try to help you. And I, I do the same thing with my son. He said he wants to be a YouTuber. I said, okay, well, I'd rather you create the videos and absorb the videos. And so how about you take my entrepreneurship boot camp, like on a little kitty level <laughs> and I can sit here and step-by-step guide you, but you're going to have to do, I told him it's discipline. You need discipline. You have to keep on showing up because you're creating your own future. So I like that, you know, during the pandemic, he was able to like to listen to me teach and that really sparked something in him because he was home, you know, being homeschooled. And he heard me talking to my students about intergenerational wealth building, right? Not just thinking about now, but what about your kids and setting them up for the future? 
Um, but one more thing I think parents can do is teach them, take them to places like museums. And um, even like, for example, in Philadelphia, I live in Jersey, but in Philadelphia, there's the um, Constitution Center. I think take them to places like that. Let them learn who Benjamin Franklin is. Entrepreneurs, like who creates all this stuff? Because we're like going back to being consumers, but there's creators. Like those are the leaders that are literally creating something that everybody else can consume. So let them know the difference that like this was made, this skyscraper was dreamt up in the mind of a man or a woman and they made it a reality. And so can you, because you also have a brain and you can use it for that. As opposed to saying, I want somebody else's job. No, maybe I make the building where other people like um, create jobs and have their jobs. Yeah, that's so good. Just installing that in them at home. And I just how love how simple it you know was for your parents to say, like, you can be anything you want to be. And if someone tells you that you can't, they're they're crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) And that's really giving you identity. Identity. That brings to me like I used to have my son do an identity statement and he was right down. I am a child of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when you walk out the door and someone tells you something that's opposite of what we just said, you know that it's a lie, right? Yeah. You know not to need that identity because you have an identity. So really teaching them about identity. And so now you were a professor, you were uh, mm-hmm. teaching as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurship as a professor. Yeah correct and so now you're on your own you have your own business and so talk to us a little bit about that transition from leaving because that's a great job and so tell us about that transition on going on your own and doing your own courses yeah you know what's interesting is I do the same exact thing it's just my audience is different and I think that's the most important thing to like recognize because I feel like a lot of people stay in bad jobs because of, um, you know, they feel like they can't, like, I'm literally doing the same thing. I'm still teaching. I just teach for myself and I have online courses on my website that people can purchase or that I'm going to Italy in the summer. I'm running a five-day boot camp in Italy and I'm, I'm teaching. <laughs> I'm literally just teaching. It's just a different group of people. And now all the money comes to me, right? Mm-hmm. And so as opposed to the majority, I mean, what, what, the, what professors um, give to our students and what we actually make are like for the college are two different things. But one thing I want to say about that professors, um, we get to apply for tenure. And so that means job security for life. And I remember one day I was teaching my students and I was telling them about my business and how it was doing well and how I could literally be in class with them. And because I have digital products, I could, I'm literally getting paid as I talk to them, but from my business. And I remember they said, why wouldn't you do that full time? And I said, and like, you know, it just kind of came out. It was like my subconscious mind just coming out. I said, well, I grew up in poverty and I really need security. And so I like the fact that I could get tenure. <laughs> and like, that's what I said. And I was just like, you know, but I, it's like something I never thought about. Right. It was in my heart, right? Like that was fear and it was holding me back. And then I realized last year, I was like, well, I'm working in a toxic work environment. I'm exhausted. I'm stressed. And once again, someone says to me, well, you get paid X amount of money to do talks for government and for all these different groups. You literally do not need to be a professor anymore. And I was like, 
but security, like security, like, you know, that tenure. But here's what I learned about security. One, it doesn't necessarily exist. Even if you have tenure, they can still, they can find reasons to fire you, even though it's difficult. And not only that, but they could make your life so miserable that you don't even want the tenure. It's not worth it. And for me, I felt like I was being overworked. And I just asked myself the question one day, I said, if I can do all this for them, I'm one faculty member running a $15 million institute teaching four classes um, a week, which is way more than the standard low for professors. You're supposed to be teaching about two classes a week. Wow. Uh, and I'm teaching four and I'm doing, literally, they didn't hire a second faculty member. and Or they did hire one and then he thought the work environment was toxic and so he left. And so it was still me. And I said, if I can do all this for them, imagine what I can do for myself. Just imagine what I can just do for myself with the same amount of time and energy I'm putting in to this. And it's turned out to be phenomenal. Like I, I like don't even have stress because there's nobody to stress me. I'm working for myself. Right. <laughs> right. And so you, you mentioned two things. One about the security, because in, in the reality, I've learned that the only security you have is in God, is in your relationship yes. with God. And as you go on an entrepreneurship walk, mm-hmm. you, that's really growing your relationship with God because mm-hmm. there's certain things you're going to have to learn new things. You're not going to know everything or, you know, but you're, you're trusting God that you're being obedient to what he's called you to do and entering into your next season that you, he's prepared you, you know, everything that you've done up to that point has prepared you to be able to go off on your own and have a different audience. Now, what's the difference between your audience that was in the school and your now audience? Um, they're older. Mm-hmm. And so, and a lot of the people that um, have been in my boot camp, uh, well, it cha- it's different because there's my audience for speaking engagements, which are organizations in government. And then there's my audience for uh, my boot camp, which is, Usually people that they've been working in their careers and they want to also quit. Same situation, maybe different professions, but most of them want to quit and start something on their own. A lot of them have really good hearts and they just saw a lot of toxicity in the workplace and they want to create organizations and create a new culture. Literally, um, like they want to be the boss and create the culture of an organization. That's That's the big difference, except, you know, before it was students, younger people. And although now students are also coming to me as well, because social entrepreneurship isn't taught in most schools, but it's a growing phenomenon. And so because they know, like I'm one of the leading scholars in the field, so they just now come to me. So that's been, that's been amazing as well. That's so good. So yeah, security. I feel like this is more secure and it's, it's, it's not a guaranteed. Uh-huh. What makes it more secure? Let's because talk. it's up to me, yeah. right? So it's literally, if I want to work more, I can. And if I don't, I, I just won't. And like when I literally added up, so I launched, my book came out in December and I'll show you <laughs> social entrepreneur. Can you see it? I don't know if you can see it. Oh, Let me sure. do the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's your background. So let's do. <laughs> okay, now we can see it. Social a practical introduction. So it came out in December, and then within a week, it was a Amazon bestseller. My website literally crashed, 
Wow. I'm like, this is God, right? This is like what I mean. Like, yeah, I'm doing the work and I believe in myself, but I'm just doing what I genuinely feel God has put in my heart to do. And it's just taking off on its own. And so like my website has 33,000, 30, over 30,000 visitors per month. I'm literally in the process of updating it to accommodate that. And it's just, people are coming to me from all over the world. Like, okay, we're going to get your book in our schools. We're going to do this. If you want to book you for this. And it's just like, that's what I mean. Like when I literally do the financial projections, it's limitless. It's how much can I work um, or how much can I, how much time do I spend creating um, certain products that can just work for themselves. So it, it, entrepreneurship can be literally anything that you want it to be. It's whatever you, if I want to take on coaching clients, I can do that. If I want to just have digital courses, that is literally, that can take me 10 hours to just record all that, but it lasts forever. You know, I can update it once a year, every couple of years if I want to. Yeah. I loved how you used the word limitless because it's like when you took that leap of faith, Mm -hmm. And you were obedient to where God was guiding you. You opened up the door to limitless opportunities, abundance. Yeah. You know, you've entered into like, okay, now I'm entering a season of abundance. And now I can, you know, make things happen where I'm not capped or I'm not, there's no limits. Yes. It's a different level. There's levels to it. Yeah, it is. You talked about social entrepreneurship. What's the difference? What is social entrepreneurship? Is it the same as entrepreneurship or is there a difference? Great question. And so social entrepreneurship is being considered the future of business. And the reason, what makes it different than a normal business and also a normal nonprofit organization is it mixes the social good and the economic mission. So it's like, I'll give you an example. Um, Newman's Own, everyone knows Newman's Own. Um, they're a for-profit business, but all of their profits go to different charities. And so um, charities for different social causes, nutrition, hunger, um, just childhood development. Um, but they sell anything. They sell salad dressing, um, what do they sell, pasta sauce and all that. But what they're using their money for is social good. And so there's a lot of different ways. Like My book outlines 13 different ways to start a social enterprise. Um, another example is um, CK Cafe in New Jersey. And so they have a homeless shelter and a soup kitchen. Um, but then they also have a cafe next door where they um, train people that are homeless to literally work in kitchens. Once they feel like they've um, gone through this like culinary training program and they've passed it, they let them work. They help them um, get jobs throughout restaurants in South Jersey. And, um, and that's literally their social mission. So they're making money through the cafe, housing people through the homeless shelter and um, the soup kitchen. And they're literally training people to get jobs. So they're, they're changing the world as we know it, but still making money as well. Okay. So entrepreneurship, so businesses who have a mission a or mission. a social mission who are actively helping society. Yeah. And they can, it could be anything. So it could be simple like Newman Zone. We just donate certain profits. You can donate a percentage. You can donate all of it. Every organization is different. It's really up to the entrepreneur what you want to do and what your what your calling is. And so there's like no limits on how that's designed. But it's really what I'm trying to teach people is you can live your best life on your own terms. And every single one of us has a social mission that hits close to your heart, whether it's racism, it's crime, poverty, inequality, climate change. Every single human being I've met, unless you're like a sociopath, <laughs> a psychopath, but even they probably have a social mission that hits right. close to their heart. And it's like, if I could do something 
um, to stop this, I would. And so um, that's why I teach people that they can literally use their own gifts, your gift of speaking, your gift of writing. Some people are good at math. Everyone has a different gift and we can put it into a business that not only helps you, but it can help others as well. Mm-hmm. Monetizing your gifts. Yeah. And so social entrepreneurship, where if if people wanted to, what would be the first step? If someone mm-hmm. was trying to get into social entrepreneurship, what would be the first step for them to take to start yeah. that process? So that's what led me to literally study it because I couldn't find enough information. So that's why I wrote the book. So mm-hmm. get the book first. And then I would say, I'm, I reach out to me and I can help you literally with anything. So now I'm helping people design their social businesses, social enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's a resource called um, the Social Enterprise Alliance. And so it's a nationally recognized organization and they work with, um, they really help connect you to people in the community. And this is important because this is a global phenomenon and we have more social entrepreneurs in the U.S. than anywhere, but we have the weakest support system for social entrepreneurs. So, for example, I was um, literally brought to Spain, housed, to train faculty from 30 different countries. It's about over 20 different countries um, on my book. Literally teach them how to use my book in their classrooms because that's the support system that they have. They want to teach their their citizens about social entrepreneurship because it's big there. They have funding there for it, like to help you start your social enterprise, funding to do research on social entrepreneurship. Um, like there's just all these different opportunities. Yeah. It sounds like it's combining uh, for business with nonprofit, like LLC yeah. and nonprofit organization. And then you have like social, uh, is that like a, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it some is people a- do that. Some people will have a nonprofit and a for-profit and they yeah. use a nonprofit to get grants, but then you have the for-profit to generate revenue so that you're not having one income stream. So everyone does it a little differently. And so that's like the, what I talk about in the book in the boot camp. But there's also special laws now where it says, I'm a be- for example, a benefit corporation. That's an organization where you have to outline a social mission and it's okay for you to generate um, revenue. Because you can't necessarily do that with a normal... Um, if, you, if, if you're a small um, business entrepreneur... Mm-hmm. then you can you can do whatever you want. But if you're a major corporation, you can literally get thrown out of that organization by your shareholders for prioritizing social good. You can literally, and it happens all the time. And mm-hmm. so I'll give you an example. Timberland, the CEO, decided he wanted to create an, an office for social entrepreneurship after he did service. And um, But the shareholders did not want him doing that. They wanted to maximize their profits. And so he was ousted as CEO. So that's why we have new laws being created for social entrepreneurs. That's awesome. That's awesome. And family, so if you have purpose, yeah. if you have some sort of purpose underneath your business, what you're selling, you know, to advance the kingdom, advance the community, you're going to be a social entrepreneur. You know, you need to have some sort of underlying mission purpose of what you're doing. So if you have that, then you are on your on your journey to social entrepreneurship. And so yeah. where can we find more information about you? Where can we get the book, where we can get the course? Where can we find you if someone is interested to learn more about social entrepreneurship and the things you have going on? Yeah, so RashidaWeaver.com and then also socialenterprisedirectory.com. Those are my two websites. 
RashidaWeaver.com and SocialEnterpriseDirectory.com. The book is available on Amazon and um, Amazon Prime. It comes in two days. <laughs> and um, something I also I just want to mention is. Uh, and reach out to me anytime the boot camp. So we're going to Italy for it'll be six days for the boot camp because they arrive a day early, and it's yeah. uh it's intense. And so if you're really interested in starting a business, I, I warn you that it's intense because last year's participants they were like, you need a disclaimer, you need to tell us we need coffee, water, snacks. <laughs> it's yeah. a real boot camp, um, but it's going to be amazing, and it's all really amazing leaders, like leaders in their fields that are will be there, and um. It'll be five days where we could be at a restored palace in Italy. Literally, I'm learning about social entrepreneurship and taking tours all over there and also expanding our global network. I'll be working with a group of female wine um, company owners, and they'll be talking about um, how they are dealing with entrepreneurship being women in Italy and comparing it to the American female experience. And so it'll be really amazing. Awesome. That sounds amazing. So is this like a retreat or... Yeah, it's a it's a it's like a retreat. Yeah, it's a boot okay. camp. Five okay. days. Yeah. yeah, and I have the online version and I have the in person. So the in person oh, will be oh. oh, so there's a virtual version. So if they don't if they can't make it in person, they can join you online and still get access to all of that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And so one last thing. If yeah. someone is straddling the fence as far mm-hmm. as transitioning from their job to entrepreneurship, what would you tell them? I would tell them exactly what I told myself because it was very hard for me to make that decision to walk away. Right, especially having that job security, having tenure. So Mm -hmm. what what would you tell them? Um, I realized that your mental health and your physical health, like a lot of us have been getting sick from work. There is no, your mental health and physical well-being, it's priceless. You cannot get another you. You literally, you just can't do it. I'm sorry, you can't do it. And your family will be happier. You will be healthier. Um, I got sick four times during my first year as a professor. I didn't get sick before that. During my first year as a professor, I ended up um, in the hospital because of all the stress of the job. I have not, every year, I as five years as a professor, I got sick. Now I'm working for myself. I have not gotten sick once. I'm healthy. I am thriving. I am so happy. And let me tell you something, the stress that these jobs can put on you will stifle your creativity. Like, like I'm telling you, like all this stuff was able to happen, like my website crashing from all these visitors and my book being a bestseller because I was free. So you have, you have to remove yourself from those shackles and those mental blocks and save up your money, you know, save up your money. I saved up $30,000 and I said, okay, I'm going to like, you know, you save up how much you ever, ever you feel you need to, but I wanted to have six months for me worth of expenses to just try this out before I did anything else. And it worked and it's working. And it's what I'm projected to make. If like, if I really go, if I, if I do the bare minimum, I can make my salary. Like the bare minimum, just working four hours a day, which is less than I worked, you know, for them. Um, I can make my salary within the next year. If I do more, I project that I can make half a million. And that's not much more. And so, but if I also have a book. So if it really takes off, it's limitless. It's literally limitless. And so um, take care of yourself. 
do not underestimate the importance of your well-being. When your mind is free and you don't have that kind of stress on you, you will be, be creative and you will make a way. Your gift will genuinely make room for you. I love that. Your gift will make room for you. Yeah. Um, and that was also one of the signs for me to transition into yeah. just full-time Jordan's journey, you know, because um, I was working. I was working at a bank. Wow. And I just was like, <laughs> just like, I can't take this anymore. This is not it. And, you know, and I was, you know, working through the pandemic and then my son, he wasn't, the, the schools shut down and my son was home and I'm just like, yeah. our mental health is the priority. Yeah. And God opened up doors. A month later, I, you know, monetized when you, like, God start, things start moving. Because you're so, free. Because I'm free. Yeah. That is definitely a sign to anyone who is listening. Like when you start, you know, just your mental health, you're down, you know, that's a sign. It's just time to move on. It's just time mm -hmm. to move on. And once you make that move, your gifts will make room for you. Okay. And so I think that's a good place to end. Thank you so much, Dr. Rashida Weaver, for joining us, sharing your story. <laughs> Of course, make sure you guys check her book out, check her website out, and we will see you all in the next episode of Jordan's Journey Podcast. God loves you so much, and so do I. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by this episode. For additional resources to help you grow in life and in faith along your journey, visit jordansjourneycoaching.com. Until next time, God loves you so much and so do I. Bye.